Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. After going defensive end, back-to-back picks in the first and second round and not having a third-round pick, the Colts go offense for the first time in the 2021 draft. In the fourth round with the 127th overall pick, the Indianapolis Colts select Kylan Granson, tight end SMU. So we go playmaker, we go tight end before tackle. I know everybody's up in arms about not going tackle, but as we reported, sources told for the culture that Frank Reich's number one need offensively was tight end. Prior to the draft last week, we made that report. It was tight end one, tackle two, wide receiver three. Reich wanted a Burton replacement. As we've seen now, the Reich offenses in Indianapolis, you had Ebron, Doyle, Cox. You had Burton, Doyle, Cox. Now Burton's gone. Ebron obviously gone two years ago. Now you draft Granson out of SMU. You have that third tight end to round out the room. There was a lot of chatter about maybe bringing back Burton, maybe trading for Zach Ertz, or if Ertz were to get cut to sign Zach Ertz. I think we could put all that aside now. We could kind of close that door. The tight end room is set moving forward. The Colts go offense for the first time in this draft. The Colts get a playmaker, a tight end to kind of round out that room. You have Doyle, you have Cox, and now you have Kylan Granson, tight end out of SMU. I love this pick. I think this kid's going to be a really good player. He's in the same mold uh, as Eric Ebron. He's a seam guy. He's a mismatch. He's got great speed for a tight end, 46440. I think he's going to be I think I mean I just love this pick. I think he's going to be a really big part of the offense in the in the future. I think this is the exact type of guy that Frank Reich was looking for to kind of take teams down the seam and beat linebackers and safeties. We haven't really had that with, with Jack and Mo. That's not really what they do. You know, and Burton didn't really do too much of that either. This guy will definitely do that, get down the seams. He can get down the field. He's very athletic. I think this is a big-time pick, uh, one of my favorite picks of this draft, and I think he's going to add something dynamic to our tight end room. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him make some plays this upcoming year. He definitely you know, has a lot of room to grow as a player, but I also think he's one of the most refined route runners in this draft, and I think he's, you know, he could definitely help us this year. Yep, and just taking a look at Kylan's statistics at SMU, he transferred from Rice to SMU after his sophomore season. So in 2019 and 2020, the two seasons combined, he caught 78 passes for 1,257 yards and 14 touchdowns. So extremely productive, putting up wide receiver-like numbers the last two years as we get into the positives and negatives, starting with the positives on Granson. Yeah, he started his career as a wide receiver and then uh, kind of transitioned to H-back tight end for SMU. Uh, Like you said, man, very productive on film, um, really, really athletic, great after the catch with the ball. Like I said, very athletic, ran the 40 and 4.64, one of the higher speeds of any tight end in this draft. Very athletic, solid frame, but he can add add additional muscle. Uh, He's a skilled route runner, one of the better route runners of the tight ends in this draft. He runs sharp, precise routes, has quick feet, and gains separation because of that. He's very, very quick, very athletic, like I mentioned. can line up all over the field, H-back tight end, slot. He can even play outside. Like I said, the wide receiver stuff, I think, really helped him coming in as a wideout because it allow, I mean, it allows you to grow as a, you know, as a vertical threat, as somebody that can learn the route tree, 
he really has done that. Uh, he can attack all levels of the defense, especially good on seam routes, like I said. Uh, uses his body well to sh shield defenders. Physical with the ball in his hands. He's, he's kind of a monster after he gets the ball in his hands and just, you know, he'll stiff arm guys, run through tackles. Definitely somebody that's dynamic. I mean, we wanted a dynamic guy. I, I, I think this is the guy. And he's, like I said, he's one of the best, if not the best receiver, outside of obviously Pitts. One of the best tight ends as far as, you know, receiving in this draft. And uh, like, you know, I've mentioned this earlier, the mismatches this guy is going to create versus linebackers and safeties is going to really, really help Carson Wentz. And Frank Reich is great when he has tight ends that can run. And you saw what he did with Ebron. This guy is in the mold of Ebron. I'm not sure. He doesn't have his size, but he's got his speed without the attitude. He's a grinder. And he's a big, I mean, he's just going to be a big time player. I, I think this is one of his best picks, uh, Ballard of this draft. Uh, love it. I think he's going to fit right in. I love, I can't wait to see how Reich uses him. And he doesn't have a lot of drawbacks. It's really the only drawbacks to this player that I could see is he's not, he's, he does, he's not the, you know, he's not six, five, you know, two fifty. He's more like six, two. He's not a big guy as far as like that goes, but it doesn't matter. He's explosive. He knows how to get open. He knows how to use his body. He's got great feet. And so none of that, I mean, it doesn't really matter. So his small frame doesn't really matter as much in the past game. I don't think we're going to use him a lot on the field, you know, to, to block, but everybody has to be able to block. And so that's his big issue. He's very, very underwhelming as a blocker. That's something he's going to have to get better at. I have confidence that he will. I trust our coaches. I don't think he's going to be asked to do a lot of blocking in our offense, but I do think he's going to have to do some. So overall, man, I think this is a home run pick. Ballard does it again. I just I, I, I love the athleticism, the speed. The, the, the thing about our offense, you know, last year, for instance, that we really missed was that guy just ripping teams down the seam. And now we have that guy. And I think that's what he's going to be able to do in this in this offense. And I think he's if he's given the chance, he'll be able to do that early because he's very refined as a route runner. And I think he can do that right off the bat. And so really excited to see how this plays out for this kid, because I like his upside and I love his athletic ability. No question. And I don't want to beat the tackle thing to death. We talked about it last night. Every pick we go now that we're not taking a tackle, I don't want to continue to repeat it for every podcast. So it's something we'll definitely need to address in free agency, we're going to have to bring in a veteran because I don't think Sam Tevy could start at tackle. If we want to go anywhere, I don't think he could start at tackle. So that's something we'll talk about after the draft and after we go through all these picks, just to let everybody know, because I know the comments, every single pick we make is going to be, why not a tackle? Why not a tackle? So I just want to say one final time, we talked about it last night. It wasn't addressed yeah. early today, so we'll just put that to bed. We're not Chris Ballard. We don't know why, but it looked like the way the board fell in the first and second round, he had pass rushers he couldn't pass up on. There was a run of tackles right before our second pick in the second round, so I think that's just the way the board fell. Then by the time we got into the third round, he was probably, or the fourth round, because we didn't have a third round pick, he was probably thinking, because he did try, and Jason and I were talking about this last night, we did hear that he tried to move up late third round to get probably a tackle, and then I think the tackle he wanted was probably Brown, who was off the board, so he stays put at 127, and by the time you get to that point, there's already been, how many, 15, 20 tackles taken, 
in the first three and a half rounds. So at that point, it's like, all right, let's address tight end. Let's address safety. Let's address other depth spots we need to address because we did go out and we already addressed, like technically, we already addressed the tackle depth in free agency. I don't like anybody that we signed Davenport or Tevi as starters, but if those are your depth guys, so be it. We need a starter. If you couldn't find a starter in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, then you'd just be wasting the pick at that point if you're going to draft a Sam Tevy caliber player. You might as well just address other needs where you could get higher caliber players at those spots and then go post-draft and sign a stopgap tackle. So that's what I think the Colts are going to do at this point. I don't think we have both starting tackles on the roster right now. I don't even want to say we don't have our starting left tackle because maybe you play musical chairs and you move Braden Smith over. So I think that's a possibility, but I don't think we have both starting tackles on the roster right now. So I just wanted to put that to bed before we wrap this up because I know every single podcast we put out for every player profile, we're going to get the tackle question. And I think that kind of sums up what was going on. Yeah, I just want to mention one thing, you know, just to wrap that up, the tackle talk anyway. Um, I know that they tried. They were looking at guys later in the draft, but every time a team jumped in front of them and took the guy they wanted. So, and, and like I said in the in the, in the the last profile, Ballard is just not going to reach. He's not going to, he's not going to reach because you're going to get a player that's not ready to play. It isn't talented when you could have got somebody that is. And it, you just don't – you don't go away from the board. Your board is your board. You don't go away from it. Ballard has always trusted his judgment, and he's been right most of the time. So what I think happens – and, you know, this will be the last thing I say about it is I obviously think they go out, they either sign somebody like Russell Okung for one year to play left tackle, or they sign Eric Fisher, who I think is is coming along in his he can't he's coming off an Achilles injury and everybody's freaking out about signing a guy coming off with a, another Achilles injury, but I, I've heard his his uh, his rehab is going ahead of schedule and that he might be ready to play by August. So people were talking about he was going to be out for the year and all this other stuff. That's not true. The Colts I think are going to do their due diligence with him. That's the guy I think that they're probably going to go after, but they want to make sure that he's healing correctly, everything's going well before they make that commitment because that is a commitment. So we'll see what happens, but I trust Chris Ballard. He will get, he will find somebody, he'll get him in there. And remember, the biggest thing to remember with this situation is we've got four really, we've got two to me, we've got one all pro, two Pro Bowl caliber players, and then Mark Glowinski who's solid. So you got a great offensive line. Okay, you put the left tackle, which is the most important pot, spot. But if you get a guy that's just average over there, this year we have a guy that can move. I think people forget Carson Wentz is a lot like Andrew Luck in the sense that he can throw on the run, he can move around. He's not a statue back there. So he'll have a fighting chance. I'm not overly worried, man. I, I, I trust Ballard. I always trust Ballard because he knows what he's doing. He's proven it over time. So he's not going to reach on a tackle. I'm not overly freaked out about it or anything else. There's plenty of time. I'm sure there'll be cuts. So, um, you know, of, of guys that of teams that need to get, you know, down to a certain number or whatever. Uh, so I'm not worried about it, man. And I don't think any of the fans should really be worried about it yet either. Now, if it comes to, you know, the end of August and we're looking at Sam Tevy and Julian Davenport, that's another, that's another, that's a whole nother situation. We're in the first of May. So let's all just chill out enjoy the draft, enjoy post-draft, and, you know, we'll deal with that when the time comes. 
Yep, and one more thing I'll say about all this. Chris Ballard, not in any of the press conferences the last two nights, but his pre-draft press conference, he said that the work's not done after the draft. There's going to be moves made in free agency post-draft, and I think he was talking about the tackle position because he probably saw the way the board was going to shape up, and he knew, I think he knew all along, first round was most likely going to be a defensive end. Even if Pay wasn't on the board, we're probably trading back and still going edge late first round, early second round. So I think that was in the plans the whole time. And another reason why I'm okay with this, because we heard that defensively the coaching staff was all about pass rushers. They did not like that room heading into the draft. They didn't like that room the way it went in free agency. But obviously that's been addressed. So they're happy about that. Offensively, Reich's biggest need he claimed was tight end. That's what we heard. So that's been addressed now. He's not worried about the tackle position, maybe because he knows he could move Wentz around and do different things with him. And I'm sure Ballard is going to address it in free agency with a veteran post-draft. So I know people are going to freak out about that. And I'm definitely not happy about the way it currently is. But tomorrow's not September 4th. Tomorrow's not week one. We still have a lot of time left to find a veteran stopgap tackle. So, with all that being said, the Colts do add a weapon in the fourth round at 127 in Kyler Granson out of SMU, a tight end. So, Rake's happy about that. We now have our three tight ends set. That room is complete now as we head post-draft into May, June, July as we get in towards August. I think that room is solidified. You're not going to have to add Another tight end, the Zach Ertz talk, all that stuff could finally be put to bed. We will be back with the Sean Davis podcast, our fifth round pick, a safety out of Florida next time. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. Guys, keep it locked here on the For the Culture podcast for more draft content, more player profiles to come. Next time, we'll be back with Sean Davis right here on the For the Culture podcast.